This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bruce Lawn. In this video, you will learn the shocking truth about what the scriptures say when it comes to demons and being satanic. I'll share my personal story with it, and we're going to cover a good amount of scripture, so make sure you watch till the very end. But before we get into that, guys, my name is Ruslan. We have a free How to Study the Bible course in the description of this video, or go to MastermindDevo.com completely free getting you more clarity, more context, more consistency, and ultimately more application for life change. So if you're watching this, make sure you subscribe, give this video a like, all that good stuff. Now we have to get into this idea of demonization, demons, all that kind of stuff. Now what I'm not going to do on this video is address whether or not a Christian could have a demon in that whole spiel. You can go watch my interview with Isaiah Saldivar if you want to do that. Okay, this video is going to be specifically what the scriptures say in regards to what does it mean to be of the devil? And you guys aren't going to like it. Okay, so here's here is the deal. We're going to look at the book of 1 John. Now, the book of 1 John, many believe, scholars believe that it was written by the same person who wrote the gospel of John. It's probably my favorite gospel. If you have never had consistency reading the scriptures, take our master, mydevo.com course, and I'll encourage you to start in the gospel of John. A lot of the similar imagery is used, so on and so forth. And he's writing and encouraging people to have a proper context of who Jesus is, a proper context of how a Christian would live their life and not bickering and being divisive like the world is being divisive. That's more or less what the book of 1 John is about. And we're going to look at a passage that is going to shock many of you. And then I'm going to give you guys two other passages that will tie in what the scriptures actually say is being of the devil. Okay, so 1 John, this is chapter 3, verse... Seven, I'm reading in the NLT translation. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Hmm. Okay. Who has been sinning since the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice, that's the key term right there, a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. In the book of John, it keeps going back to this idea of loving people and loving God as being the indicators of what a believer's life should be known by. And here it says, anyone, anyone who keeps on what? Sinning, making a practice of sin is what? Is of the devil. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys my story in terms of something that I feel like could have and probably was demonic, okay? But I'm also going to talk about why we have to be careful with dismissing and arguing and saying everything is a demon 
and, and how dangerous that can be. So if we look at 1 John, here's what he says. If we just scroll up a second, right? This is the big one. This is the big shocker. The people, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil. Okay, so everybody's like, Satanism, demons, demonization. Well, according to this verse, if you keep on sinning, if you keep on practicing sin, you belong to the devil. Jesus said to the Pharisees that their father was the devil, right? Who's been, and then it says, who has been sinning since the beginning, but God came to destroy the works of the devil. So in the garden, in the garden, we see Satan deceive Eve, okay, and then we see God hold who? Adam and Eve accountable, and we see God also hold Satan accountable. So when it comes to this whole idea of demons and the devil and all these kind of things, where, 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 how does this play together? Is it, I'm a victim of the devil making me sin, or is it, I have made some dumb decisions and I am responsible for those decisions. When God confronts Adam and Eve, what do they do? They all blame each other. They play the blame game. Eve is like, the, the serpent made me do it. Adam is like, the woman you gave me made me do it, right? <laughs> and so everybody blames everybody. But the question is, where does this come from? And the thing about scripture is that it actually gives us a much, much, much more grim look at the human heart than we think. I'll give you guys an example. This is the famous passage from Ephesians chapter 2. This is Paul writing the church in emphasis. And he says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So what do we see? We see Paul says, Hey, look, you were dead in the way which once you walked, so it starts with you, human. You were dead, right? In the way you walked, following the prince of the power of the air. It's and both, is it not? It's not, oh, uh, it's just, it's the devil's fault. No, 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 no. You were dead in your sins and trespasses in which, in which once you walked, okay? Verse three, among whom we all, all, that key word is all, all. You know what all means? It means all. That's what that means. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is because of the original sin of Adam. Paul is saying, hey, look, because of the passions of your flesh, you misappropriating what God's intent was for your flesh because you are still a human material person, right? So people are like, you're a spirit with a body or you're a body with a spirit. No, no, you're and both. You have a spirit and you have a body, right? But you're following the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So it's not just your, your, your hormones. It's, still, it's your mind and your thought life too. And all of these things, because of the sin of Adam, what made you by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That is a grim look at humanity. We always think we're a little better than we are. We always think that it's the outside world that's polluting us, or it's the devil that's polluting us. According to this, according to this, we are by nature children of wrath. Hmm. 
Interesting, right? It doesn't take a whole lot to look out to the world and see that there's evil. It doesn't take a whole lot to see in the world of humans left on their own devices are going to do really stupid and dangerous things. Okay? And then here's the good news. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, he says it again. Paul kind of reiterates this again. Verse, this is uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 3. He says it again. Okay? Interesting thing about the writings of Paul is he kind of has these parallel passages. It's more or less saying very similar things across multiple books. Verse 3, Titus 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our, <laughs> our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous, the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He graciously poured out the Spirit among us through Christ Jesus. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. That is the good news of Jesus. Amen? So... When we're looking at this idea of evil and demons and this whole thing, here's the thing. We always look at God and we always look at the standards of God and we think we could earn our way up to it. And then when you look at the standards of God, what it does, what it should do is it should be a mirror to you and say, hey, you're actually, you're actually much worse than you thought you were. Okay, you're like, yo, I stopped sleeping with my girlfriend and I'm not sleeping. Oh, yeah, well. You heard that it was said, man who commits adultery. Well, I said anybody that, that lusts after a woman. Yo, I, I said, I stopped cussing. I don't use cuss words anymore. Oh, yeah, well, let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth. Let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth. You will give an account for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. Oh, gosh, I thought I just had to stop saying the F word and this word and that word. Right? Oh, the world is evil. The world is, is demonic, Illuminati, the agenda. Oh, yeah, well, if you keep on practicing sin, you're a child of the devil. Mm. All of that should remind us more of the gospel. All of that should say, hey, instead of looking out there, we should look internally. Now, I'll tell you guys my own experience with the demonic and there's is some of you guys know my story. You could check out my exposed testimony. When I was a kid, I was like seven, eight years old. My dad wasn't living with us anymore. When I was a kid, there was uh, we, we were a part of this Armenian Orthodox Church, okay? Not Armenian like Calvinism versus Armenian, but Armenian is in like ethnically, I'm ethnically Armenian. And I was an altar boy and there was these older altar boys that were like 13 or 14 and they were looking at uh, P-O-R-N and and showing it to me and then molested me multiple times, okay? That to me, I think in hindsight, was probably something demonic happening there, okay? And it's possible that what happened to me was probably a demonic influence and that something could have latched onto me when I was a kid, okay? It's possible. I don't know. I do know that that thing followed me into my teenage years when I was, I lost my virginity at 11. Then I became sexually active at 15. I was addicted to porn. All of those things followed me. And I remember, I remember dealing 
with these things and literally walking around and, 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 and saying, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> saying these things to my flesh, okay? I've been in services where someone has thought they've had a demon and we've prayed it away multiple times, okay? So this is not something that like, I don't think is real. I do think it's real. The issue is there's this quote, and I first heard it from Dr. Michael Brown, and then I also heard it from Isaiah Saldivar. And I'm not saying I'm an expert, I know how all this works, but I do know this. I do know this. You cannot crucify a demon, okay? And you cannot cast out the flesh, Okay? You cannot crucify a demon. You cannot cast out the flesh. Usually, what most of us are dealing with, unless you had some kind of really gnarly, traumatic event happen to you, usually you are attempting to cast out your flesh. You're going up for deliverance, and you just need to wake up a little earlier and go to sleep a little earlier so that you're not up late making stupid decisions and looking at PORN. Usually, it's the stuff that's inside of you the sin that's inside of you, the laziness that's inside of you, that's making you act away. And instead of saying, I need to crucify my flesh the way Jesus was crucified on the cross, instead we're going to go, well, I need to get deliverance. I need to have this experience. I need to do this. I need to do that. And you're, you're really relinquishing responsibility of what is going on in your heart. Again, according to these passages, person who keeps practicing sin is of the devil. Everybody that's living in an unrepentant sin is of the devil, okay? You, you know, how we process that, I don't know. What I do know is we make a whole lot of fuss about symbols, about rituals, about all this other stuff, and we often ignore the, the practice of sin in our own lives, okay? And we try to create these hierarchies of sin. Yeah, I know that I have unrepentant sin in my life, and I know that I keep looking at things I shouldn't keep looking at. 50% of pastors look, admit to looking at porn regularly. I know I, I, got, I need to crucify my flesh in this area. I know this. However, I'm going to look out there and say, well, it's the world's fault. Travis Scott's fault. It's the ritual's fault. It's this fault. It's that fault, right? It's the shows. It's Netflix. It's No, fam. It's your fault. You need to deal with it. You need to get help. If you need to go and get deliverance because something traumatic happened and maybe something did latch onto you, I don't know. Go do that. I just talk, I was just texting with um Alexander, Alexander Pagani this morning and we were talking about the different ways they do deliverance. I'm like, yo, some of y'all probably need to go and get some deliverance. However, some of you are horny because you're in the peak of your freaking puberty and your testosterone is through the roof and God naturally wired you like that and society has lied to you and told you you're a kid and so you're 30 and so you're pushing out growing up becoming a man earning some money and therefore you're walking around with all this pent up horny and you're like what's going on it's just God wired you that way nothing's going on the, 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 the naked woman's body is beautiful okay you know what you need to do you need to build your life in a way where you can get married not, oh, God, take away these desires. You don't want him to take away those desires. You, you're going to need those desires. They're, those are actually good desires. Right? And so you cannot, you cannot crucify, <laughs> you cannot crucify a demon. And you cannot cast out the flesh. Okay. But check this out. Check this out. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. 
<clears throat> Here's the good news. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And what? And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do in them. This is the good news, fam. Titus echoes it, keeps echoing this. You're saved by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through faith. That should humble you. If you really knew how wicked your heart was and that God loved you enough to go and, 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 and die on the cross and rise from the grave for, for you, for all of us, you would walk around way more humbly. And so the issue that I see with some of this, you know, all this talk of trying to make everything supernatural is twofold. One, are you becoming more arrogant because you think you have some new found knowledge and some new discernment, and therefore you're judging your brother who may hold a slightly different theological position than you. That is pride. You need to repent of that first, okay? So if you having this insight discernment and you don't really know Ruslan because you don't know the rituals and the blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's ego. That's pride. Because you're probably ignoring that practice of sin in your life. That's the, the, according to scripture says you're of the devil, right? And that's pride. And it's not causing you to be a good neighbor. Most of what you read in 1 John, and by the way, that's your homework assignment today. Go sit down and read the book of 1 John. Read it all the way through. Then read it again. What you'll find is he keeps landing of this place. Hey, you need to love people. That is how we measure these things. If you are listening to scriptures or following this or following that, and the only thing it's doing is puffing you up and making you more arrogant and not causing you to love God and love people more, well, you, you may need to reconsider that, okay? Good Bible teaching should be should be pushing you towards sanctification, should be pushing you towards a greater love for, for God and a greater love for people. Okay, so that's the, that's the first part about making everything super spiritual. The second part is when everything is super spiritual, then nothing is super spiritual. It's like, it, it becomes like the spiritual version of the kid that cried wolf. Everything is a demon. And then what you, you start forgetting and, and missing when there is an actual supernatural occurrence that happens. And so when can stuff be demonic? Here's an example. Uh, when you've had freedom in the area of P-O-R-N and you're walking in that freedom and you have a normal, uh, healthy sex life with your wife and everything is going great. And then all of a sudden, 20 years later, you just get this overwhelming sensation. You just get this overwhelming sensation to go and look at things you shouldn't look at or go and do something wild, right? Commit some wild act. Okay, now that might be demonic. Okay, that, that might be demonic, right? But you won't know that if, 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 if you just stay in this, this feedback loop of everything is demonic. You won't actually be able to separate the two. If you're so consumed with everything being spiritual, my next question would be, are, are, like, are you then seeking a new emotional, spiritual high and experience? And if you never felt an emotional high following God or having an experience or an encounter, would the simplicity of living out the gospel and, and following Jesus be enough for you? Would that be enough for you? There's people that are addicted to being in love. You like that rush of euphoria in a new relationship. And so therefore, you are just seeking the next high. You're seeking the next high over and over and over again. The service and the next experience and the next encounter, you're just going from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. And, and, and have you ever stopped to think, maybe that's just emotionalism and not the spirit of God? You do have emotions. 
And those emotions can be manipulated through specific chords played on a piano, right? Through specific smells in the in the in the sanctuary. You don't believe me? Go to go go to Disneyland. It's all wired to manipulate your emotions intentionally. There's done studies on this. Are you is it is it emotional or or is it actual spiritual? And some of you guys are confused on what is spiritual and what is emotional. You think because you feel something that it has to be spiritual. No, that's just your feelings, sweetheart. I mean, it's spiritual. You are also wired with emotions. You have to get a good grasp of what the gospel is. What is the gospel? We'll read it again. This is important. If you don't get anything, if you don't get anything that I've said today, just just please just, just get this, live with this, apply this to your life. Okay? But God, this is Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, by grace, that word grace means it's a gift. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. Not as, not, not a, not as a result of a, some type of deliverance service. Not, a, not as a result of some new preacher you discovered. Not as a result of your theological camp. Not as a result of you being Pentecostal. Not as a result of you being a Calvinist. Not as a result of no works. You avoiding certain holidays, you not listening to certain genres of music, you avoiding certain foods, not a result of works. So that what? So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are Christ's masterpiece is another word for that. Okay, you were a zombie. Think of walking dead. You were once dead. Now he gave you a new heart and now you're alive in Christ. So what did Pete, what is it? What has happened? The by, the natural byproduct of that is that then you start producing good works. You start producing good works. You start not practicing sin. You start replacing sin with better habits, with going to church, with reading your Bible, all those different things. But it's from an inside out, not an outside in. See, religion and legalism in this camp, it's going to be from the outside in. You need this thing to change you. No, 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 no. Jesus changed you, and therefore, our lives look different to the world from the inside out. And that process is called sanctification. You are, then be, you are becoming sanctified. You are becoming more and more like Jesus. The state of the, the human heart is substantially worse than many of us thought it was. The standards of God are substantially higher than many of us thought they are. So much so that Jesus has to do something about it. So he comes, he lives the life we couldn't live, he dies the death we should have died, he rises bodily, physically, on the, from the cross, rises up. And therefore, we get new hearts, new lives, we're transformed, and we start acting accordingly. That This, this has been very confusing for a lot of you guys because the bar has been so set so low for what salvation is. Right, because you guys just think like, well, if I just throw my hand up at a service, I'm saved. Say a prayer, I'm saved. Ah, it's actually that's none of that's in the scriptures, right? That to be born again, that is that is a trans, 
That is a transformative experience. But a lot of what we're dealing with is not knowing how to check our flesh. It's not knowing how to, how to beat your flesh into submission. And then you go mountaintop to mountaintop, confusing your emotions for the, the supernatural, looking for another experience in, in, in the cycle loop. And you wonder why you struggle with being lukewarm. You wonder why you struggle with this process of sanctification. So those are my thoughts on this. Let me know what y'all think. Kingstream Entertainment. Guys, if you found this video valuable, make sure to give it a like and subscribe. And in the description, we have a free three-day challenge for anyone that's an expert, that's a business owner, that is looking to get in the YouTube space to create content that could help them expand their audience, their impact, and their income. So make sure you sign up. That free three-day challenge is coming up soon. All right? Peace.